0: Hello and welcome back to part two of the speedy messenger on stories for men with me, Marcus Pibworth. If you haven't listened to the first part, then I would urge you to go back and listen to that first and then the story will make a lot more sense. Do head over to my buy me a coffee page where you can support my work and also look at my website. The links are below to find out information for upcoming live storytelling events and Zoom storytelling events that you can be part of. But now let's head back over to the world of Little Semyon for The Speedy Messenger Part 2. So let's go and find Little Semyon. So we left Little Semyon just as he was about to step over the threshold. To go further than he had ever gone before in his life. And he travelled for a long time. Or a short time. Or perhaps an even longer time. When his legs grew tired he turned into that fleet footed stag. And off he ran across fields and through woodland. Then he became the hare, and he bounded across over barrow and burrow, and finally he became that little bird with the golden head and he flew, and he flew, until he arrived. And when he reached the threshold of the king's castle, he regained, took his human form, It's not that easy to get an audience with a king. So little Semyon waited and he waited. But finally he did and he stood before the king. What do you want? Please listen to me, do not punish me. Could you do me a favour? I would like to be a soldier in your army. The king looked down at this scrawny little boy in front of him. He could feel the, his advisor's suppressing smirks. You, boy, a soldier in my army, but you were too young and too foolish. I may be young and foolish, but I will learn and I will fight as well as any other man. Please, let me join your army. The king could see little Semyon's enthusiasm, and so he agreed to bring him into his service as a page. And from then on, little Semyon ran around the palace, bringing things to and fro for the king. Until after some time had passed. A king from a far off kingdom, from the thrice ninth kingdom, waged war upon our king. And so our king was forced to leave his kingdom and march off to meet this foreign king in battle. He needed all the soldiers he could get and finally little Semyon's wish was granted. And off he marched along with the rest of the king's army. And they marched for a long, long time. They marched for almost three years In fact, they were only three days away from the battle site when the king yelled, HALT! Imagine that army behind him all trying to stop all at once, metal clanging into metal. But finally, they all stood at a standstill. The king bellowed, I have forgotten my battle mace and my sharp sword. Without them I will have nothing to defend myself with and we cannot go into battle. Somebody needs to go back to my palace and fetch them. And hurry! Whoever does this task, I will give them the possibility of my daughter, the beautiful Princess Maria's hand in marriage. and. As a dowry, I will give half of my kingdom, and when I should die, you will inherit the whole of my kingdom and rule together. You could hear gasps going through the ranks. Imagine that, from a soldier to a king, just like that. A youth stepped forward from the uh, the ranks. He said, Your Majesty. I could be there without the, without the army behind me. I could be there and back within three years with your battle mace and sharp sword. Three years, the pompous general stood forward. Three years, I could be there and back within a year with your battle mace and sharp sword. And pushing through to the front, everyone looked down and there was little Semyon standing in front of the king. Your Majesty, I could be there and back here with your sharp sword and your battle mace within just three days. You could feel everyone looking at little Semyon. Three days. It had taken him three years. That was impossible. But the king waved this off. He said, I do not care who gets there first. I will write a note. And he wrote out the notes and he rolled them up and he gave them to each of the volunteers. And off the messengers went. Little Semyon took the note. And he walked quickly until he was out of sight. And then he became the fleet-footed stag. And off he leapt over the fields and through the woodlands. He ran and ran straight like an arrow. Until those stag legs could take him no further. And he shrank down into that bounding hare and off he leapt over barrow and burrow until those hare legs were tired beyond tired and he took the form of the little bird with the golden head and he flew and flew and flew and after just one and a half days he found himself once more at the threshold of the palace. He retook his human form and he went inside the palace and he found the chamber of Princess Maria. He opened the door. She was across the room and their eyes met. Before either of them said anything, there was already some sort of tension in the air. There was something there. Who are you? She said. I am a messenger from your father. I've come to collect his sharp sword and battle mace. Here, here's a note. She came to him and she took the note. and She read it. How could you possibly be here already? My father's army must be three years away from here at least by now. How could you have got here so fast? And he said, I will show you. And so he turned into that fleet-footed stag and ran once or twice around the chamber. And then he came and he put his head on the Princess Maria's lap. She reached from the little table beside her and picked up a pair of scissors. And she chopped off a tuft of fur from behind the stag's neck. She placed it in a red silken handkerchief. Little Semyon then turned into the bounding hare, and off he capered around the chamber until he came to rest on her lap. Again she took the scissors and she chopped off a piece of fur and lay it next to the stag's fur. And Now Little Semyon became that little bird with the golden head. He fluttered around the room and he came to rest on her hands where she plucked out one of those golden feathers. And she lay that down on the handkerchief. She took a ribbon from her hair. She tied the handkerchief up and she placed it between her breasts, close to her heart. Little Semyon became human again. She said to him, I will send a servant to fetch the battle mace and the sharp sword. And I will wait for you. I agreed to my father's message. There was something between us. Go, I will wait. I will wait. Little Semyon. He liked the sound of this. The sword and the battle mace were brought to him. And off he went. He left the palace. And as soon as his human legs had tired, he ran as a stag. Until he could run no more, then he ran as a hare, until he too could run no more, he flew, and he flew as that little bird with the golden head. Until he was so close to the king's camp, so close, but he felt tired and as he approached the camp he saw a beautiful babery bush by the edge of the cliff looking out over the sea. It was sunny and he could feel that sun beating down on his tired body and he thought, I know, I will stop for a few moments and rest in the shade of that bush. And so he did. He lay down in the shade and he placed that sharp, sharp sword in the battle nace next to him and no sooner had his eyes closed that he was out, fast asleep. And no sooner had he fell asleep that who should pass his way but that pompous general on his way. He glanced and he saw the battle mace. He saw the sharp sword and he saw little Semyon asleep. And immediately he knew what to do. He walked over and he grabbed the sleeping Semyon, and before he could wake, he threw him over the edge of the cliff, down, down, down into the sea and he picked up that sharp sword, he picked up the battle mace and he headed for the king's camp where he was soon to present the king with his sword and his battle mace, claim his reward and ensure a wonderful victory for our king. And that, my friends, is where we shall leave the story for now. What will happen oh my God. to little Semyon? <laughs> Again, let's take a moment to sit with what we've heard. Bring in some of those images into you. And let's together just pause, stop, halt. And breathe. Let's do two big deep breaths and then whoever feels that burning urge to say what is within them. Okay, let's close our eyes.
1: Oh my god.
0: (laughs) What got you? what images what annoyed you what stressed you out what made your heart race just feel so betrayed
1: (laughs) i'm really hoping little simeon's not dead but i'm imagining that he's probably dead just betrayal awful all that hard work.
2: I I enjoyed his like his burning desire at the beginning. To he, I mean, he has a massive advantage. He can turn into a stag and a hare and a bird. But he was he wanted to. He didn't sit back and like let someone else do it. He wanted to be the person that does the hard work, goes and gets it. Um, obviously there's a reward at the end, but. He was keen to get going. And then obviously the heartbreak that James has as well. Of the betrayal <laughs> caused by the the bigger guy, as it were, who gets the reward for, potentially gets the reward for doing little work.
0: Maybe we all have that stag and that hare and that bird inside of us. So.
3: Maybe he doesn't have <laughs> such an advantage, he can just see it. Mm-hmm. Ooh, or maybe not. like that. I was, um, yeah, resonating with something that James said before about, like, an, an entitlement, and it's not just a little sense of entitlement that I have, it's a burning, like, all-consuming uh, rage at the world for being such a shithole in a cesspit, whereas I really appreciate in these stories the sort of jet black uh, view of humanity and the the kind of anarchy isn't really the word but kind of like fickle fickle nature of every situation and the possibility for both uh, yeah, your own undoing and also your own salvation in every moment it's like this, you never really know the balance of power is constantly shifting uh, yeah I feel like that's a way more honest and um, Appealing, like yeah, cosmology to me than this than the thing that we have, which is you know work hard and you'll be rewarded and like you know do do the right things and you'll have a good life. It's it's uh, yeah, far more earthly ethic, I suppose, than that. But still pissed off that um, yeah. It's like what are you saying? You're saying like never rest. <laughs> Never indulge yourself.
2: There's there's always someone waiting.
3: Someone's gonna fuck you over. It's very capitalist, you know. Sorry about all the swearing, by the way. If it's not no. uh, it's sometimes necessary. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm very. I'm a very vulgar person, but the but the it's making me think of the sort of like free market assumptions. If you don't like, you know, take the opportunity and capture the profit. Someone else will if you don't. You know, if you stop and for a moment, you know, don't be the chump. Be the winner. So I'm looking forward to seeing this 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 guy get get some divine retribution.
1: Well yeah. <laughs> <laughs> indeed, that's something I was wondering as well. Uh, we we're listening to the story from the perspective of, of little Samian, and we sympathize. And as, as he's going towards the bush, and you feel that what's coming like, no, don't lie down, don't close your eyes, no, don't do it. And of course, yes, he lies down, falls asleep. Um, but what if we sympathize or try to sympathize with the general and, uh, and you see this life chance opportunity and you've been working in the army for all of your life, you've been working up, but you're never going to be a king because you're not going to get married to the daughter or anything like that. And then you get this once in a lifetime opportunity. What would you do? Mm. I don't know. Mm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh. Playing the devil's advocate here, <laughs> um, yeah. And and my God, what a stupid king. What a stupid king, after three years, he <laughs> suddenly realizes I, lost, I, I didn't bring my, I can sympathize with that. Uh, sometimes I'm, I'm like that as well, like, oh shit, where's my pen, where's my this, where's my that? But yes, uh, stupid king. Um, also the way that Samion presents himself to the king is like, oh, please don't punish me. That's like his first line. Please don't punish me. They're like, wow, why, why would you be punished? I,
0: yeah, I found that a bit strange. That's true. Thank you, Dominic. I, I think one of the just one of the things that always gets me about this story is that he collects all the weapons, and I always think, how does he hold them as a stag, and as a yeah, hare, I, and a little I, bird? But, uh, but I've yet to. I've, I've managed to suspend my uh, sort of uh, criticism to that and just believe that the monks also gave him the power to do that. But yes. Maybe they That's the magical to the of the story. Of yeah,
3: yeah. So is Simeon that much of a free thinker if all he wants to do is go and serve the king in the army? And what is his what is his calling to be, to be part of the system? I don't know, anyway.
4: Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, I was uh, struck by a few things. I had this image of like onward Christian soldiers marching off to war, this kind of like really just and righteous cause. Um, and I love, I love the shift, you know, in terms of talking about like perspective, are we seeing things from, and yeah, you know, it strikes me that women in this story are, are a prize for men to gain, um, and to be traded <laughs> and uh, yeah. Yeah. It just feels like they're bit part players really. So, um, that, that struck me, mm. um, you know, lots of very stupid men making lots of very stupid mistakes and no one, no one's calling on any other wisdom. <laughs> Imagine that.
4: Yeah. <laughs> 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 mm. I like these two images there, there which are very so-called fairy tale-ish, but also, very uh, human, and those are those two images when he first sees the beautiful Maria. Uh, although you didn't say she's beautiful, but I imagine her beautiful. Uh, when they when she opens the door, and it comes, and you see her, she sees you, and the world changes. You make you up. You just make your tag. You make your hair. You make your bird and uh, she cuts off your uh, hair, and you don't care because you know her yeah. and then the second second point is that there is time you need to sleep and this is in quite a lot of stories there that you as a spectator or listener say no not now you could have slept all the time before or you sleep in an hour but uh it happens and in the story or in the life this is the time you need to sleep and when you need it then you need it and you do it so uh this is the point when you uh, know that what is going to happen if someone is going to cheat him
3: yeah i was wondering about that the sort of non-consensual snipping and things like that Uh, and you know yeah because it's her i'll let her do it and um but it's just making me think also the kind of i'll wait for you all these you know there's very romantic very classical Yeah, beginning to a relationship and a courtship, but it's making me think about compromise and making me think about compromises that the things that we let our partners indulge in that we wouldn't let anyone else get away with. But then like often those things become the reason that we might want to break up with them or might have some problems with them. Uh, In the end, that level of like, what am I actually comfortable with and how love distorts that or how attraction distorts that. But I'm sure that there will be a reason for that pouch. Yeah, we all know what's coming, or maybe we don't. Ooh.
5: Wow, you guys went really deep, man. <laughs> I, I, I I didn't even go that far. That's really interesting that relationship bit. Well, because for me, that moment actually stood out. I I, I love that moment when they meet uh, the princess and Damien. Uh, because I felt thats the first time he's able to reveal himself and be sort of uh vulnerable mm. and and it's a it's it's sort of like a antidote to all this maleness that is going on all the all the stuff that some of you mentioned all this war and all this stuff and and she's sort of very. There's a softness there, and there's an intuitiveness there, and she brings that out, and she, and he's able to become all his self, and I really, I really liked that. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure the snipping is, I'm sure the snipping has a reason it's gonna come by, but yeah, I did, I did really want to slap the king. Honestly, after three years, I, I heard, after three years, oh, hey, uh, by the way, I forgot my da 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 da. Like, what the what? Three years? Yeah, I had that. Thing. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, it's no always way,
2: phone wallet keys when you leave the house. <laughs> after three
5: fucking years. <laughs> As if you really had to look at this, like, um, oh, whatever, symbolic, and these are political leaders and all that. Yeah, oh, yeah that makes sense to me mm. go <laughs> <Yeah.
3: So> on <laughs> yeah the, the sometimes open authority
4: is what is what I take the the king for getting his sword for anyway but
5: but i i, I did uh sorry i did i did think on that um, even on that point uh, somebody was raising about why would he choose this, and i I felt there is. In an in an old world, old world sense, there's a there's a sense of valor in there in in being part of something like this. So though though we tend to look at this now from as in war is bad and it's part of the machinery and all that stuff, but there is that sense of it, it's almost like a it's a dichotomy, it's a paradox because there is still this sense of Valor and honor in being a soldier, but there is all this um, w- whatever else the language around war itself. So, so I find I find that interesting. I find I found his choice of wanting to be a soldier interesting, and I thought I think apart from the riches and the bread, there is this sense of self pride that he's looking for, from my understanding, in that.
6: I think, you know, these, these characters, like the King and Maria, I don't, I'm not sure. I'm not sure the King is an idiot, you know, cause sometimes in these stories, like the, I mean, it's a big, it's a big weird thing to be like, Hey, if you get my mace and my sword, I'm going to give you half the kingdom and my daughter, and then you're going to be King. That's like, that seems like a trick. It, like it seems like some type of weird test. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I, part of me is not really taking that on face value. I am i don't know. You know what I mean? Like, maybe he's just an idiot. Maybe that's how he does his stuff, you know, but like, he couldn't, he just, he couldn't have just borrowed some weapons from someone nearby. You know what I mean? Like there's, this is like, a, he's, he's set up this crazy and now his like top general has gone as well. And he's about to go on. he's set up this really weird, you know, these tasks. I feel like Maybe there's a reason behind that. And then Maria, Maria has uh, you know, evidently the whole terms was in the note. And Maria read the note and was like, Yeah, okay, I agree to that. There's some you're seem you're seem cool, you can turn into animals. I dig it. And but <laughs> she she knows now who was the first back. So if Simeon does survive the cliff fall i feel like maybe maria is going to take a larger she's not going to just be a bit part anymore maybe she ends up being the truth holder uh you know in the story so i don't you know i think that these like it's interesting that the story is a it's interesting that we can't know the motivations you know we can't know the backstory of every character and and what they're like maybe the king and maria are in on it somehow you know and it's just like so there's like this whole back layer that you know, that Sim and Simeon is going, Simeon is going through his journey, but there's a whole back, potentially a whole back layer. That's kind of, he hasn't, he wasn't a part of it all, but is now playing out that. And all of a sudden he's part of it now. And I feel like that's just a really interesting idea about life. You know, I mean, I'm sitting here in my chair, but what things are happening in the character's, around me in my life that I can't see at all but I'm going to be a part of tomorrow in a week you know that could change my life you know but I'm but right now I have no view into that you know so I don't know just something thank you for joining part
0: two I hope you enjoyed the discussion and do remember to be part of it if you're listening on Anchor then do leave voice messages and if not drop me a message anyway you can And uh, remember, head over to my Buy Me A Coffee page to support my work and look at my website for information of any live events that you could be part of. And then please do head over to listen to the final part of The Speedy Messenger.